Five Star Founder is a podcast created by founders for founders. I believe everyone you ever meet knows something you don't. Each episode features a founder from a variety of backgrounds, sectors, and entrepreneurial stages, with whom I hope to learn, celebrate, understand, and get a deeper insight into their world. We will cover everything from what drove our founders to start their company, to what keeps them awake at night, biggest regret to date, as well as their career highs and lows in their journey so far. Today's guest, Ellie, is the founder and CEO of Truffle, who are a social media agency and partner to some amazing brands. She proudly leads a team of strategic creative geniuses. I was once invited to have Friday drinks with her team, and I can tell you they work hard and play even harder. Anyone who's worked with or met Ellie can feel the awesome energy and great vibe that transmutes to her too. She's here to talk to us about her journey so far. I am particularly keen to catch up with her about her recent rebrand and how she's been working remotely with both her clients and her fabulous team. Welcome, Ellie. Hi, Sads. Thanks so much for having me on. Thank you for being on. The first question is, you've been in business for 10 years now. How's, yeah. What's that been like? It's been a roller coaster of a decade, to say the least. Yeah, lots and lots of adventures, a heap of challenges as well. But yeah, it's been a really incredible journey. So no regrets yet. <laughs> oh, that's what I like to hear. I mean, in terms of like you started life as a, in fashion journalism, that's what you studied at university. Could you tell us what that's been like? Like looking back at what you studied versus what you're doing now is there anything that you learned at uni been relevant for your career yeah definitely i mean for me the first lecture that i did at university i sat down everyone got together in the room sat down and lecturers said right who has a little black book in their pocket or an address book and i think a couple of people put their hands up and she said, right, class is dismissed. Everyone needs to go out and, and get buy an address book for yourselves. That's going to be the most important thing that you use for the rest of your lives. And the lesson in that was actually just to make sure that you keep your contacts and maintain relationships. And that was a huge lesson that I kind of took throughout my entire career. And it's something that we really value. Truffle as well. We try mm. and instill that within the team because, yeah, at the end of the day, you need to kind of maintain these solid relationships to do good business and even just friendships developed with all sorts of people over the years and sometimes it really does come back so it was a valuable lesson that I took through. I mean I was just looking through your career you started life within the world of marketing advertising and you kind of went from one role to another where you were quite senior within these positions was it always your plan to kind of learn and keep growing and then eventually set up on your own or how did that actually happen? Not really it was totally unplanned if I'm honest I was always mm. very ambitious and my parents always kind of encouraged me and my sister to kind of reach for the stars and all of that which we always did but yeah I think the plan was always just to kind of develop as quickly as possible and there was no plan to set my own company up but I think what happened was my boyfriend at the time he ran a company himself and I was going home saying look I really I, I think that social media is going to take off I think there's a real opportunity there but my boss at the company that I was at I was in a PR agency 
she was saying, no, it's just a fad. It's going to be over very quickly. So there's no point in investing in it. And then I just thought, actually, well, my boyfriend runs a company. And if he can do it, then I can do it. So <laughs> go and do it myself. And, uh, you were one of the first companies in the UK just to purely focus on social, right? Yes, exactly. It was a risky kind of decision to make, but it was also kind of strategically made. So in the PR agency that I had been working at, we had a couple of clients asking us if we provided any kind of services in that realm that we could bolt onto the PR, kind of traditional PR output that we were giving. And the answer was always no. When I set Truffle up, it was everything was very much social first. And to this day, we are, we purely do social media. It was because purely people were looking for social, they were Googling social media services. Mm. And that kind of stood us in good stead when it came to SEO and search function, really. Mm. I was a bit bored of the traditional PR side of things. I'd already kind of exhausted my days of spending hmm. breakfast, lunches and dinners and drinks and everything else with journalists. And that was a lot of fun. But I kind of wanted to move on to something different. And I think social media was really kind of opening up new opportunities that were really exciting. And it was a lot more kind of lateral than, than linear. So, so yeah, so that's where we started. And to this day, we're still pure social. Yeah, like... To be honest, statistics for a business to make it past one year is crazy. Two years, five years, 10 years, it gets thinner and thinner. So people who you probably started off within that kind of cohort either are doing something different or they just they don't exist anymore. So anyone who's got into the double figures, it's amazing. I want to go back to what you mentioned. Anyone who follows you on your social media or anyone who knows you, you're quite close with your family. And was there someone within your background or family members who inspired you to one day have that kind of itch? They kind of planted that seed when you were young to say, one day I'm going to do this for myself. Or was that ever a... Yeah, definitely. I mean, my parents are very encouraging and I'm so blessed to have them I mean when we were growing up it was a bit of a pain in the neck always being kind of my mum put a lot of pressure on my sister and I to work hard and I feel like all of my evenings when I when we were growing up when we were at school it was just pure homework and learning mm. and development and all of that but it was always with a lot of love as well and my parents they work together so they have their kind of property development company mm. that they work on together and then my dad also he owns his own business he that sort of that was a bit more happenstance as well for him so it was never a we're going to conquer the world it mm. was always let's do things and do things with integrity so I suppose yeah a lot of encouragement a lot of motivation but when I came to London that was for university and all of a sudden it was going from Peterborough where I grew up and being just a normal sized fish in a normal pond to suddenly you're a small fish in a big pond and there's a lot of people around you who are just super ambitious they're running at things and suddenly everything's kind of ramped up a lot faster and you can either kind of sink or swim yeah I think for me my parents have always been behind me and my sister as well we've just mm. always kind of really backed each other and that's been that's played a huge part in my development and yeah I love my family we're mm. very close as you've said probably seen from all of my instagramming with them but yeah we do a lot together and we'll be 
quite honest with each other as well when there are things that need to be sorted out or mm. critical but constructively so when there are areas for improvement so yeah they've always been kind of like my rock the other thing I was going to say is like you're one of the first guests in in this series whose folks I've actually met because when we did a bit of work for you your yeah. dad was we actually moved we were filming you moving from one office to another and we were actually in the van with your dad for like an hour or so because we got stuck in traffic so you know like I got to understand you where you come from it's a very kind of in a way that I didn't expect because your mother is South American right and your yeah. dad's English do you think that having that kind of dual cultural kind of heritage has shaped you into the person you are yes I definitely think so my mum is a fiery spicy Latina <laughs> my dad <laughs> yeah. My I can dad. Watch for that. <laughs> <laughs> and my dad is a very laid back Englishman, has to have tea at 3pm exactly every day. So it's a very strange mix. And definitely they have kind of, they've shaped me in more ways than I can probably um, even imagine. But yeah, I think there's a lot of there's like the creativity and feistiness, I suppose, from my mum. And mm. I don't know, there's my dad's values, which are very much kind of a lot more rational and mm. considerate. And he takes his time on things. So there's a, I mean, in many ways, they're quite poles apart in their characters. But at the same mm. time, you still very much share the same values. So I think those have really been instilled in me from from the beginning. And between my sister and I, we've kind of just between us we've taken little bits from each of them but in different mm. ways yeah it's a very interesting mix and uh, it's not always positive as well so I, I can I have a short temper sometimes <laughs> or I don't have have enough patience and that's something that I can lend to my mama um oh you can't uh, blame her for everything right <laughs> no, I have a lot to say thank you to her for so yeah. I mean, I think it was just like when you get to meet people's parents, you kind of understand, oh, so this is where they're kind of coming from. So that was my kind of, it was a really random kind of thing that happened, but it was really fun. Going back to business, you quit your company, you backed yourself and you thought, you know what, I'm onto something here. Could you tell us what your day one was like and also who your first actual customer that paid and came through the door and how did they come about? Yeah, sure. So my first customer I had met because in my previous job, I used to do uh, PR for restaurants. At one of the restaurants, it was a kind of fusion Japanese-Peruvian, funnily enough, restaurant. And I was speaking to a journalist. The journalist asked me if I knew of any other brands that were in the kind of South American space that they might be able to feature as part of the article that they were writing. I went to my client and they said, oh, actually, I know this guy who's setting up a Brazilian cachaça spirits brand. Speak to him. So I just got on the phone to him and thought, OK, well, look, I'll just put you in touch with this journalist. It will help the journalist. But I didn't think anything of it. And then as I was kind of building my business model in the evenings, that was kind of in development. And then I got a call from him directly to my mobile saying, mm would you be interested in doing our PR? And I thought, right, well, this might be an opportunity for me. And I know I'm going to go and set up my company. He's also not a client of my current agency. So I wasn't poaching anyone. And I said, well, actually, do you know what? I'm going into social media. Would you like me to do that instead? And I can do some bits of PR on the side as part of it. But it was definitely kind of social media first and then PR on the side. And he said, 
Yes, absolutely. So I remember I would work from my little flat and just, and that was my only sole client for the first couple of months, but it paid, just about paid my bills. And Mm. it was a lot of hard work, a lot of learning, but a real kind of pleasure because I was working alongside a chap who was the founder of his new startup. I was a startup. We were sort of growing together. And yeah, and then it just sort of grew from there. But it was very tough because I remember I used to force myself to cold call just to see if they'd be interested in the social media pitch. And a lot of them, most people at the time, bearing in mind Twitter was just coming about. It was just newly on the scene. And Facebook had been around for a while, but um, it was more kind of used for for friends and family and networking Mm. communities. But anyway, I remember just picking up the phone to these businesses and them going a lot of the time, what is social media? I don't understand. No, we don't want to. We Mm. don't want separate our marketing budget for this thing that we think might be over very quickly. So it was very daunting, but I guess I hung in there and then little by little I'd bring more clients on board and I could escalate from just eating bread and water to <laughs> to caviar and champagne for well, breakfast which I'm quite. sure <laughs> <laughs> there um, have definitely been some times where that's been in the mix but yeah hey I follow you on in- Instagram I know what you eat for, for, for <laughs> breakfast lunch and you mentioned uh something interesting you mentioned the black book in terms of your contacts when you first started truffle did you ever actually go into that and contact some of the people that you knew or did you like how did that actually happen so you got your first customer you were cold calling people but did you ever dip into the black book also how did you know when to go to the black book versus when to start you know pitching to businesses that you knew that this would really really work for yeah i mean i always had quite a good kind of instinct for who are my good contacts who are the ones that would be up for really just supporting me off their own backs who did I owe favors to who owes me a favor all of that Mm. and that was kind of going on in the back of my mind but at the same time I would build databases just big heavy kind of spreadsheets full of people's email addresses and phone Mm. numbers and I mean just even recently I was doing a big clear out of my loft and I found stacks and stacks of business cards, which mm. I used to just, I'd be so proud of and cling on to them. And I had little notes written on all of them. So I would try my best to create a system whereby I would go back and go to my friendliest contacts and then mm. the kind of colder contacts that I might have just either been in touch with only over email or maybe they're just people who are on a general list that I am yet to get onto and Mm. it's something that we're always kind of discussing at Truffle which is what is the right strategy for that and while we always want to make sure that we're being as authentic as possible so we do rely massively on our actual close contacts and we're really lucky in that we get a lot of like inbound leads I'm talking about new business here so development leads will come through via word of mouth but that's not to say that we shouldn't be kind of ramping up things when it comes to reaching out to people for like with volume which is actually something that I just yesterday had a conversation with someone in in my team so she's going to be helping us in that respect but yeah there is some loose method to it when it comes to our approach on using those contacts I just want to go back into it because this is really interesting because I actually too have this 
stack of business cards that I've made notes on to say, okay, met here and an interesting fact about the person I may have spoken to and I just jotted that down. But like, I think every business owner has this kind of list of people, even if it's physical or on Excel somewhere or, you know, in a notepad somewhere. You know what? The first bunch of customers that we got was directly via people I knew or people I'd done some work for or people who knew me from somewhere, you know, like, and as you've matured as a business, like you've got to do things that you can scale, I guess, like where anyone can come in and start a new sales kind of pipeline from scratch. Mm. How did you encourage, how did you adopt that new kind of way of doing things versus, oh, let's just go and talk to a whole bunch of my people that I'm connected to versus, okay, let's go after the exactly the right kind of people that we want to go after who are in our perfect customer. Yeah. Well, that's when it comes down to spending a bit of time actually writing out your strategy. Hmm. So that's something that I do at the beginning of every year and hmm. knowing that quite often it will inevitably kind of go slightly off track and things change in the general kind of like either cultural environment or social environment or whatever and we'll have to change tact. Hmm. But what we do at Truffle is we'll go, right, well, we've got, there's a lovely girl who we just recently employed called Pippa at Truffle. So she's now got the, one of the responsibilities of sending out volume, emails in volume to to brands that are in certain sectors. And then from time to time, we'll say, okay, also Pippa, we've got this case study. Now you can apply that to whichever either sectors types of brands or brands that we can already see might be looking for that sort of similar service. So there will be like a strategy there. But then there's also for us, we'll be going right, well, what's going on in social media, right, TikTok, that's had a huge uprise in the last couple of years. And we need to make sure that we're all over that. We're also now about to launch our kind of our Chinese WeChat and Weibo uh, management. Because when it comes to China, there aren't enough, well, there are barely any agencies in the UK that are actually kind of a Western fit Mm. that provide services to Western brands that need to be reaching the Chinese markets. Mm. So we're already kind of trying to make sure that we're looking ahead. And it's difficult because, or challenging, where you're spending time going, well, we've got all of our, our regular stuff to maintain all of our we need to keep our existing clients happy so I've got a great team who just do that we're in a really good place where we're just very happy with um, how that's being run so I can then focus my efforts on right what are we doing to look far ahead and how are we planning to make sure that we're in a good position to accommodate that and then also what's going on now that we need to be able to react to so it's about just finding the right way of resourcing that really and applying that thinking time wow i want you to just give me the first few things that come to your mind what's been the biggest challenges or biggest lessons you've learned in the 10 years that you've run your company okay so one of the biggest challenges was I think at one point I started to rest on my laurels a little bit because I Hmm. thought, great, we've got all of these new business leads coming in. We'll get, we'll, it's just a numbers game. We should get a few of them. And, but I took my eye off the ball a little bit and I stopped looking at our longer pipeline and I didn't apply enough time to that. And it just meant that we had existing clients but we weren't really sorting out our kind of future pipeline so we were hiring and at one point we had more people than we actually needed and then at that point you're just thinking okay well 
we're not making profit because we're spending mm. too much. That's really difficult. And then what do you do? You can't just let people go. So it was a real challenge because there was even more pressure to step up and make sure that we were actually doing the kind of new business generation that we needed to have been really focusing on more at the time. And that was entirely from, that was my my fault, to be honest. Mm. So it was just, it was led by me. And I, I, I really learned some lessons from that, just not to kind of ever rest on your laurels. And then another challenge was something quite, it really kind of affected me from a personal perspective as well because we took on a couple of people this was actually last year but we took a couple of people on in 2019 and instinct from a lot of the team just said this person this one person in particular wasn't right and I had some reservations but at the same time we were in such a huge kind of conundrum because we really needed to service the work that we had, we were under-resourced, we needed some more senior people to really help manage that. And I think slightly, I, I think I made a bit of a mistake on hiring um, someone that wasn't quite right. And in the end, mm. even though we had contracts in place, we ended up letting go of this person. And then within a couple of months, we then found out that he'd been approaching some of our clients, had taken our database, mm. had set up a new agency that was almost a replica of us. And, mm. and it was really difficult. And then there were all sorts of kind of sketchy things that I just, I looked back and thought, of course, that's that was totally in line with their character. It's so like red flags that you, you spotted. Yeah. And I think just because we were really the lesson to be learned at the time really was actually you should not make a rush when you're hiring anyone definitely not the right way to go it's better to almost keep working all hours of the day even for another couple of weeks to service the clients and make sure that's all going okay than to hire the wrong person because yeah it's just it means that we lost we actually lost a lot of time that we'd invested in working with them and also just it was really tough to kind of realize what had actually happened Mm. afterwards as well I just could not believe it but yeah I think just a lot of lessons on how to hire right and make sure that you're really thinking ahead to kind of see who's out there Mm. before you make those decisions so that you don't have to make a quick impulsive uh, decision what's been the absolute highlight so far for you to date i know there are probably like lots of things yet still yet to come but when someone mentions highlight so far is there a moment that stands out in particular it might have been when you were on board with us suds <laughs> when you when you supported us when during that office move yeah i remember we had been in a tiny little office i call it an office it was a studio flat that we were in renting soho. in soho And we'd won a new client who was a fairly big one for our size at the time. And all of a sudden, we were just, we were kind of working on a new level and Mm. we had a great team. And we need, the the client themselves said, look, we're growing even more. We need to make sure that your team is able to grow with us. So Mm. start preparing to hire more people and you are definitely going to need a new office space so I remember when we moved to those new offices that was just a real kind of turning point for us and we just thought okay right we've gone from being those kind of I don't know like millennials cobbling things together and just like hustling to Mm. right we're now we're actually now like 
a solid agency that's a bit more adult like we've got a lot more processes in order and look at this amazing space that we're in mm. so I loved it it was um really exciting hence why we came to you guys and said look guys we need <laughs> to want to kind of record the process <laughs> do you know actually the, the funny thing from my side was and it kind of fits in with what you do is like most of my kind of work business development comes from like emails people meeting people face to face but I actually I remember now it st stood out in my mind because I had pitched to you via Twitter and it was almost like a perfect story because you're a social agency and the best way to get through to you was via a social channel. So, you know, you, you live and breathe what you do. So, yeah. And for me, like at that time, you gave us a chance where we didn't really have any headways within social. And we've actually gone on to do a, a lot of work for PR and uh, social media companies since then. And even then, like we were still kind of trying to figure out, OK, how do we create this kind of content? So it all fit in together. So, yeah, that was back in the days uh, I think it was like three or four years ago no no yeah, maybe five years five, ago. yeah I think it was like around that time and you know mm. like as we were saying just before we went hit record you know our paths have kind of crossed through mm. work we've done for the same people or maybe you know knowing the same people so you kind of see who's around and I think the longer or this longevity you kind of see who are people in the same kind of level as you or people who are in the same journey as you yeah. I guess you know it's a kind of yeah, weird thing yeah. It's really exciting because as we've like continued our journey, we're always finding new or we're coming across other people that we've like had conversations with. But at the time, they might have been a freelancer. Like just the other day, I had lunch with a guy who was one of my first interns when I first set Truffle up. He then went to go on to work at Instagram, Facebook, and he was one of the first five people in the UK office to head up what is now this humongous giant of a platform and yeah and now he's he's just recently left Facebook and he's he's about to kind of start his new venture with um, his business partner which is just so exciting but it's amazing to see other how other people are kind of growing and developing as well. Yeah like fun you should say that because I was actually having before lockdown uh, a drink with my first ever intern who actually turned into a full-time employee then she went on to work for the independent newspaper okay. and she's just gone on from strength to strength. When we first you know, worked together, I could tell that she was really ambitious and she had some spark in her, which meant, well, firstly, we really got on and we'd go out and have drinks, even if it wasn't for work or whatever. But it was just like, it's really nice to see people that you work with. Maybe they are, you're, you're giving them their first job in the office or you'd giving them a chance and you know for them to sort of go and develop yeah and definitely yeah I think yeah. as a business owner that's something it's this kind of thing that you get on it's like legacy isn't it like you're still part in or you've contributed to mm. someone's development and it's really lovely to kind of see how people can grow and go into mm their own businesses or set their own things up or, or contribute to other huge companies or make a difference themselves so yeah it, I guess yeah a lovely little ecosystem yeah in the, the kind of full circle in a way one question I had for you was like you're very close with your team in terms of you work hard together you you play hard together how do you have the, almost like a family type of environment it seems and you're from having been to a couple of drinks with you guys that you have that how do you draw the line between that kind of Ellie with her who's the boss versus Ellie who's like your friend like you know when yeah. you're wearing two hats and and has that ever got you into trouble yes <laughs> <laughs> quick answer yeah no I mean 
actually when there have definitely been some blurred lines in the past and while we always want to kind of maintain that family vibe it is very much work comes first and we need to stay professional I think where we're at the moment we've probably never been better as a team and I suppose it's also just part of our own growing up and development and all of that like maturity but there are some clear kind of divides there's a lot more process to what we do as well it's not so much about just the kind of going out and having drinks and all of that mm. sort of thing it is definitely like a much bigger focus on the work and the quality work that we um, deliver but yeah I mean so last year for example as a sheer kind of thank you to my team who had just really worked so hard when well during the initial kind of announcement of lockdown everything was kind of thrown in the air and people were kind of scrambling to understand how best to process things and do things and we just the whole team just took to it and and everything was streamlined within 48 hours and Mm. everyone really just got on with it and um, plowed through so as a thank you I took everyone to Ibiza was it was a lot of fun but we were still we were just working during the day Yes, we were in our bikinis and and bathing suits, but uh, we were still kind of very much just working. And so that always comes first. And even though there were events and things to go to and dinners to be had, it was Mm. still everyone's like, oh, I've got this deadline, though. I need to get it done. Right. Okay. Mm. how can I help? And it is that's the culture that we breed. Whereas I think previously before it was at the very beginning, it was almost like a I don't know, like a youth club or something, mm. which was a lot of fun. But yeah, I think we have clarity in work, work stops and fun begins and, and vice versa. So yeah, I think the team is all kind of on board with with how things need to be prioritized as well. One of my colleagues will be listening to this, you know, like we as business founders, we're growing up as human beings ourselves. So you cannot suddenly be like a crazy party animal in your personal life and be able to be trans you know be a completely different person in in your work so you're kind of still learning one question i was going to ask you you mentioned this a couple of times the systems and processes yes this is a very dull and boring thing to talk about but it's the kind of thing that keeps the bills being paid on time and everything else how did you first realize that you needed documents and things like in place so that you know exactly how to onboard a client or you know exactly how to deal with a situation well I think I've always had a hustler mentality so it's right well often you can say you say yes we can do it and then you just figure it out as you go and just hustle and work hard to make sure the job is done but Mm. that can only go so far so when you are when you start to kind of work with the kind of larger clients that require organization and for like full integration with their teams etc you have to have those processes in place to make sure that things are as streamlined as possible because what our goal is it's about sustainability and progression Mm. so that sustained progression can't happen unless you have some of these processes in place so yeah over the years I've gone from despising numbers on spreadsheets absolutely loving them and it's the thing that I almost sadly most look forward to these days so it's so necessary and I don't know I think also again another thing that comes with age is you just want you don't want hassle you don't want Mm. you can't cope with the hassle so if you have everything as clean 
cleanly laid out and formatted as possible, then it just allows for as much clarity and there's less room for mistakes to be made or, mm. or anything to get lost in translation. So, yeah, I think we've really like worked hard to develop those kind of foundations and those processes. And I think that's where a lot of the clients we work with really appreciate that because from one side, they see that creativity and we love to kind of exercise as much innovation and imagination as possible. But that can only scale if we have some of the the traditional processes in place. Yeah, you know, like the scene in The Matrix where they're looking at lines of codes and numbers. It looks like numbers and codes to us, but to the person watching, it's like they see a woman in a red dress or like where I look at my, I was having a chat with my consultant yesterday and she helped me see these numbers aren't numbers. These are a new person you can hire or this is a fancy location that you can rent. And, and that's how I kind of, yeah, you're right. Like, I think someone said, I was in a talk once and they said, the closer you are to the top, the more you are spending time on Excel. And it was so poetic, but it's so yeah, true. Yeah, it's, it's so true. I mean, yesterday I was having a call with our finance director, a guy called Simon, and he is such a wonderful man. He just <laughs> makes my life so pleasurable and easy and we can cut because he he helps us put those numbers together and we'll basically see a strategic path to what we actually want to achieve and mm. what our goals need to be and targets and all of that in place to make sure that, that happens and it just makes a lot of sense which it's so important so yeah I guess like some advice that I would always give to anyone if they're kind of starting up or yeah they're kind of at some point in their career where they're wanting to achieve that clarity is to make sure that you're working with people who can really help format those documents clearly but or yeah like complement your skills in a way or yeah. your where you're that was actually my next question like what advice would you give to someone starting out on their own what are the first few things you think they should do I think I never used to appreciate this as much as I do now but having a let's say a two two to three page plan in place on what you actually want to achieve is it helps you outline what your goals are and what your vision is so that you've always just got that in front of you and Mm. you can refer to that and it's just useful to remind yourself really along the way on of why you're doing it and how you need to get there so and that will always kind of be tweaked I would also say don't spend way too long doing all of the planning because you also need to kind of run with it at the same time and yeah I think a lot of the time I'm a victim of this still and I keep trying to kind of provoke myself back into getting on with things but I'm a perfectionist in many ways so oh I don't want to reach out to that list of brands because we need to get our case study like a bit more refined Mm. or this or that but that's going to take another week because I've got this that and the other to do crack on with it because nothing is ever going to be a thousand percent perfect and Mm. like you have to start somewhere so no one or very few people have humongous budgets to kind of allow for that and like full teams from the very beginning to to make all of those things happen so just remember that really and yeah you mentioned the word hustle and I was having a chat with a friend of mine about this do you think hustle is something that could be taught or is something that you are kind of born with I think it can be taught because I think hustling is almost cultural. It's something that is a value that you can kind of grow to appreciate. And initially, a lot of people might just think, okay, well, 
actually I'd rather just have like a very like easy environment which isn't too demanding and all of that and that's fine that's up to that person so they might just be born with it but if they're thrown into other circumstances I'm sure a lot of people can learn to love the hustle and love the game and I certainly have done over the years I've always loved kind of working hard and sometimes I don't feel fulfilled until I've really rolled my sleeves up and and got on with it and it's not always great for for balance but yeah I mean I think it can be a cultural thing that people can learn for sure I agree with you. I mean, I think one of the best lessons I've learned has been you'll never be happy if you're you know, always holding yourself up to a very high level of standard. And one of the advice my consultant gave me was, look, you've just got to have to be able to live with things not being done the exact way that you do them. But yeah. how much of that trade off are you willing to do so that you can spend more time executing your vision or coming up with new ideas? which is what your job as a founder of a business should be. One of the things you've mentioned in, I think in an article, I can't remember where I saw this, but you mentioned women tend to undersell themselves, especially when it comes to business and that kind of thing. What advice would you give to anyone and particularly women who are in business, but they tend to kind of undervalue their skills and expertise? Well, I guess over the years as a female founder or woman in business, it is challenging sometimes because I've always kind of, looked at guys and gone oh they're they're doing so well and it's almost it's acceptable for men to kind of have that go-getter attitude and it's not so much for it's not traditionally something that we celebrate for women but at the same time kind of empowering other women is very important because obviously equality should just be and it should just be expected but that's not to say that I haven't even suffered from some of that kind of stigma myself and yeah I'd say that it's very important to kind of surround yourself with other people who are really there to support and back you and encourage you and to not feel like others if there are people who are holding you back or putting you down because you've got that you've got a more ambitious attitude then just Mm. be aware of who those people are and I guess try and stay away from them yeah I mean that said I always find it it's always very interesting for me because I wouldn't call myself a feminist but I suppose I am I don't like to pigeonhole myself as what that label carries with it which Mm. is like I'm definitely not going off bashing men or burning my bra but yeah I think it's very important for girls and women to just kind of just see themselves as equals and to find inspiration from others who will celebrate that and encourage it and before you know it you feel it so Mm. it's about who you surround yourself with I think I mean I think this is a topic which deserves a you know whole kind of are in itself and I don't want to just gloss over it I think this is something very important but because we are limited for time I want to ask you a few other questions you mentioned the word support and you mentioned other people that you can rely on who are your people around you that that you go on and, and talk to when you're feeling like you need someone else to talk to how did you create that group in a way or that support yeah. network okay well the first two sets of people that I would say are my family but also my team in equal measure, both kind of providing different types of support. But I've got a wonderful family, as we discussed earlier. They're always Mm. there, but they're not so ingrained in the actual business side of things. So Mm. they're always, they've just naturally got my back. Mm. But then they're also my team. So I've got 
I'm so grateful for them. They are excellent. And we all share the same vision. And I can go to Giselle, for example, who's like my right hand woman, and I can go to her and go, look, this is quite tough for me to handle. What do you think about this? And she'll always just be there as a real support and someone who I can fully trust. And it's really important to be able to actually know who you can expose your vulnerable side to as Mm. well without worrying about someone trashing it or being insensitive. Also, my boyfriend, he runs his own agency, a very successful CGI company. They do architectural visualization and he runs a, a bigger team than me. And I actually met him in an office that we once shared together. So one of those full circle moments. But yeah, he's just a huge support and he really understands what it is like to be a founder and a hustler at the same time. So there's a, we have a lot of pillow talk over what to do strategically with our businesses. Not particularly sexy, but (laughs) (laughs) um, it's what, what excites us. Yeah. And then apart from that, I've got, I guess, like my kind of extended team who are my friends as well as part of the team, but Mm. our accountants, definitely not boring people, as you might expect. (laughs) There's a guy called Peter and he's wonderful and he will tell me straight and he'll be like, Ellie, you need to be doing this, like blah, 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 all of this. And I'm like, okay, I will do that. So he's happy to put me in my place. And then I've got other friends who run agencies and things. So they're slightly different. So they're, they're just, yeah, like wonderful inspirations really to me. As you keep growing as a person, as a business owner, you kind of whittle down your list of confidants in a way or people that kind of who either understand what you're doing or who don't or who understand and support you or who understand but provide you with support, but they may not fully understand your difficulties and sorrows that you're going through one of the questions I wanted to ask you and this is what prompted me to kind of initially reach out to you for doing this was you wrote a post on LinkedIn about imposter syndrome and I think even in the post itself you mentioned this isn't the kind of thing I normally write or stuff that I put online and I think you even mentioned you were going to hit delete at some point before posting it up could you tell us about like what that's been like and what prompted you to do that and what the reaction has been from people that since posting that up? Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, I'm glad that I did post it. Yeah, I suppose I was writing out my business plan and I showed it to my boyfriend and was a bit like, oh, what's he going to say? Because I really value what he thinks. And then what I, I had in my business plan, some bullet points that said, these are my personal kind of New Year's resolutions because it was the first week of January. One of them was post more on LinkedIn. And he goes, yeah, do you know what? what? I don't understand why you don't post on LinkedIn. And I immediately kind of felt just, I don't know, like the whole world was looking at me and I needed to give an answer. And it was quite daunting. And I then kind of forced myself to be a bit more real about it and realise, well, actually, because sometimes when it comes to business and LinkedIn for me as a business platform, I find it, I cringe at myself for getting out, like getting myself out there and, and talking about work. And I don't want to come across as if I'm preaching or what are people going to think about me if I say this or that? Because actually, at the end of the day, I'm not actually that successful, am I? And I question myself. And then I was just thinking, actually, 
the reality of it is I do suffer from imposter syndrome. And it's a thing that I only actually understood a couple of years ago after an experience that kind of brought it to light where I found myself in a situation where I was with probably the world's richest people, all of them owned their own private jets. And then there was me, definitely don't private jet I've only just bought my own car but yeah and then I remember just feeling really under the spotlight and not knowing what heck to say because I was not I just I immediately just felt like I'm not at the same level as these people and who the hell do I think I am coming to this event and then what do I say when people ask me questions and I just felt rubbish about myself and then all of this kind of confidence was just lost and I was just thinking okay I sat here saying that I'm a business owner and a founder and this and that, but I felt like a real fraud. And and that's what imposter syndrome is. So that LinkedIn post that I wrote was almost, I don't know, it was almost like a therapy in in a very ironic way, because I kind of confronting it and just being okay with it was kind of a step in the right direction but talking about it is one thing and then also just the encouragement that came from it I had so many messages and direct messages and people reaching out like yourself for example saying you know like actually a lot of people were saying I completely understand this I suffer from the same thing myself so imposter syndrome is very real and also I was invited to kind of join these different rooms and chats on Clubhouse I don't know if you've used that yet so yeah so on Clubhouse I was invited to speak on there and I was talking about imposter syndrome there was a whole room dedicated Mm. to that and it was funny like I know that we keep talking about this full circle but on that same room in that same room was a guy called Trey who was doing some life coaching for me straight after that situation when this kind of hideous experience happened when I was like oh I feel like a real fraud and an imposter so and I remember I went to consult Trey and said this is how I'm feeling and he helped kind of build me back up but also just to deal with it and he was in that room and so it was quite nice to just go right let's talk about it and to chat to other people who really who suffer from that and uh, yeah also just hearing other people's stories kind of made it more okay to acknowledge and to kind of handle almost everyone especially a lot of business people i talk to they have some form of imposter syndrome in one way or another when i read your post what prompted me to think about was i didn't even like i think i feel like a fraud sometimes when it comes to yeah like when you're in a room with a whole bunch of really established businesses and you're like yeah i have my own company and yes but these guys are in a different kind of level to where you are but what i found is for myself like i'm not in any way qualified to talk about this is just putting that situation to light and for myself has really helped me get over it it's more like yeah I have a company but also it's it's a lot smaller but you know I'm doing what I really believe in and not many people get to do that and like and and the other thing is this is something that my boyfriend always reminds me he was like would you rather would you really rather be in a different position where let's say someone handed you a load of investment or Mm. not that's a wrong thing or that you were just kind of given that head start or whatever would you really rather that or would you have preferred your story which is you've built this from scratch with all of these challenges all of everything kind of against you and now you're here so Mm. so yeah I think I mean everyone has their own different kind of story but it's it's what you take from it it's what Mm. what you have and yeah I'd always love to be a lot richer and hopefully I'll make some more moolah 
but um, <laughs> I yeah I'm happy with where I am and um, really grateful for for all of the kind of lessons that I've learned and the journeys that I've been on and, and all of that I, I look at the past and just think that's been a, an amazing ride I'm just looking forward to what the future holds yeah, I mean, that's really my next question. What does the future hold for Truffle and for yourself? Uh, where do you see, well, I'm not going to say see yourself in, in the next five years, but where do you see yourself going in after? And what does 2021 hold for you? Well, I keep visualizing the business plan that I wrote out, but we, yeah, like I said earlier, on the in terms of sectors and what our focuses are, we're looking at China, we're um, wrapping up TikTok, we're potentially going to be doing something with Clubhouse. Yeah, so like those are the kind of industry-led things. Within our team, I'm actually next week going to be delivering a little presentation on what our mantras are. And one of them is paying it forward and being able to kind of work out a way of building an even stronger culture where we pay it forward and celebrate each other. So that's mm. going to be Something that we kind of implement within the team which we're a fairly small team but we're growing and it will own like the business will only scale with more of the right people and we've got mm. like, a great core at the moment so we just want to keep on kind of building that and making sure that we're really careful and clever about how we curate that team to be a bigger version of itself we've got our target list of dream clients as well mm. that we've got in mind and they range really across the board and they're kind of there also to make sure that our own personal interests are kind of kept light mm. so that's really exciting and yeah content is another thing that we're going to be really pushing for so we were fortunate enough in between the lockdowns last year to do a few really cool little photo shoots and things for the team mm the whole team got on board with so we want to push more creativity and then as a bigger kind of goal I'm hoping to once this pandemic and, and all of the restrictions are over go over to the states and build up some more business there so there is a game plan in place for that so watch this space wow I very much look forward to seeing your journey you know what do you do when you're not working what do you do during a downtime do you actually do you binge on Netflix do you read any books do you listen to podcasts go to for your relax relaxation time yeah. so relaxation the thing that I've got obsessed with recently is interiors so yeah to like a lot of my time is just spent going through Pinterest and so more social media unfortunately but going through Pinterest and binging on what other designers have been doing and then I've been kind of designing my own space so currently we've got the kitchen is all over the place and there are builders in and I've just had the loft done. So that's that's something that I love doing, just like it's just kind of an extension of that creative, that creativity. But yeah, Netflix, reading books. I've got a book here actually that you should, wow, you should read for sure. It's brilliant and it's just a few kind of short stories on some great business decisions that the likes of Apple and Ford have have made over the years so definitely want to binge on any time that you've got. What are your guilty pleasures when it comes to doing something that has nothing to, to do with work? It doesn't even add anything to your life either but it's something bubble you keep going with. I've developed an obsession with bubble tea recently <laughs> so in the evenings I'll go to Chinatown and get some bao buns some dumplings and then always finish with a bubble tea but yesterday that extended to lunchtime so yeah that's another guilty pleasure all right top tip so if you want to go and find ellie go to your bubble tea place 
in, in Chinatown. Yeah. Last question, how can people get in touch with you? Well, I'm always on the gram. So Instagram, Truffles, Instagram is Truffle Social. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on all of the general kind of social platforms. But yeah, also, I, I do appreciate the odd person dropping in a personal email that is kind of not just a template copy and paste but just kind of talking about why they're interested in truffle what connections we can make and any ideas that they've got on where we could go next we're always kind of open to other um, possibilities to just do stuff to do stuff that's creative not necessarily yeah. social media strict not too strictly social media related so yeah we're cool. always kind of interested in other things actually one thing i did forget to cover your rebrand is brilliant yeah. and you mentioned like this kind of thing where it's kind of a lot more mature than what you had before clearly you've invested time and money in creating and cre curating this could you tell us about how you went about doing that and why you actually thought it was time to you know go for it yeah definitely well Previously, all of our kind of brand positioning was about being loud and very out there and, and a little bit wacky. But we attracted a lot of kind of adventurous brands who were on board with that. But in terms of our strategy, we definitely want to kind of also let people know that we do take ourselves very seriously and the work that we do for our clients. So, yeah, I guess like we decided to sit down, have a little brainstorm, talk to each other about what are the, what's the direction that we want to go in? What is our character? what does truffle mean and and then we interviewed a few different designers found a really great girl who's I think she's based in Sweden produced our new branding and then yeah and then went from there so that then we kind of hit the reset button or on our own social posts changed the entire website and it's definitely taken a, a really drastic change but definitely one for the better yeah how many go back and forth and how many weeks months did it take be honest well i had to kind of put a deadline on it because i know mm. that with that sort of thing it could go on forever and it's something that i indulge in too much but yeah i think it, it took us probably six weeks so it was a couple of weeks of going back and forth on the initial color palettes and mm. which fonts do we want to use and even with the logo we lost the social of truffle social and we slightly tweaked the font like most people won't even notice but it's ever so slightly more kind of sophisticated and grown up which i think kind of is a, f a reflection on ourselves as well as a team which is good still with that playful element and definitely not lacking in char character but yeah and yeah. then website there was one of the questions i had written down was like your business is a true reflection of yourself in a way so you could say you were loud and kind of you know out there whereas now you're more sophisticated and you know a lot more mature and you're a lot more serious and you're taking yourself seriously so that's the next step ahead for you guys again thank you so much for taking the time out to uh, talk to me ali we wish you all the best and i will definitely come back and check in with you to see how you are doing in the future sounds good thank you so much for having me <laughs> Talk to you soon. Speak soon. Bye. Bye, -bye.